Hi friends, welcome to the FBC Tuttle podcast. Thanks for joining us this week. We are so glad you're here. Each week on our podcast, you'll hear messages from our pastor, Brother Marty Williams. If you'd like to join us for worship, we meet every Sunday at 1045 a.m. Central in Tuttle, Oklahoma and online at fbctuttle.net. Now, let's get started. A city called glory so bright and so fair when I enter the gate I cried holy the angels me there they showed me from my chin to my chin and all the sights I saw but I said I want to see Jesus, for he's the one who died for all. I fell on my knees and cried, holy.
Amen. You guys ready to go home? Amen. <laughs> You're real funny, Brian. Oh, goodness. If we spent time on our knees crying holy, it would change the way we spend our time off our knees. You know what? It would. Well, as I uh, thought about, you know, what to, uh, to preach today, I've been preaching on the, the promises of God. And uh, while that's way too vast a thing to try to elaborate on all of those things, I, uh, you know, was thinking about the, the 4th of July and thinking about the celebration of the 4th of July, the celebration as Americans, the God's place, you know, in, our, in the lives of our founding fathers and just kind of how different, you know, that is today and how far we've come. And uh, so I thought, well, you know, there's, there's promises for us still. Amen. You know, first I preached on the promise of grace, right? God's provision for our every need out of Second Chronicles chapter, excuse me, Second Corinthians chapter 12, where, where the Lord revealed to Paul that my grace is sufficient for you. For in weakness, right, my strength is seen as strong. And, uh, and then we, we talked about the promise of God's goodness, right, in Romans 8, 28, that all things work together in our lives for good, for those that love God and that are called according to His purpose. And then last week I talked about God's promise of rest, right, where Jesus, in His very own words in Matthew 11, said, Come to Me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly of heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And today I want to place before you, it may seem kind of strange, but I want to place before you the promise of happiness. As we, as we embark on a day of celebration and and probably a day with family or friends and, and thinking about, you know, the, I mean, just the goodness of God to America. Do we have a promise from the Lord of, of happiness? And the truth is, in fact, yes, we do. The word happy in, in Scripture, especially in the Hebrew Scripture of the Old Testament, is the word blessed. B-L-E-S-S-E-D. You can call it blessed, blessed. It is a word that means happy. Happy is he. Happy are they. We can read it as blessed, but the word means happy. And that's, that's, what, that's what I want to preach to you about today. It's used 44 times. Now, not, not just the word blessed, but this specific word that I'm talking about that means happy. Right? It's used 44 times. It's the, it's the, the Hebrew, uh, it's the Hebrew word, what? I forgot it. Nah, it doesn't matter. You guys who don't know Hebrew anyway. <laughs> Goey. I got it. Goey. It's the Hebrew word. It's the Hebrew. I don't know Hebrew either. I just have to learn this stuff by looking them up in my book, right? But it's the Hebrew word goey, and uh, it means happy. 
Uh, it's used 44 times, most of those times in the Psalms and in the, and in the book of Proverbs. And basically, what the word connotates is that of prosperity or happiness that comes when a superior, thank God, most all the time that it's used in Scripture, it's God, when a superior bestows favor or blessing on one. And, uh, you know, the, the first time that it's used in Scripture is, uh, is in the book of Deuteronomy. And the, the King James says this, Happy art thou, O Israel, who is like unto thee, O people saved by the Lord. Amen. And uh, I'm going to use a lot of Scripture today um, as we talk about some of the, as we, as we just look at some Scripture and talk about some of these 44 times where, where God Himself promises happiness. You know, that in Psalm 146 that I, that I had Caleb read, uh, you know, at the beginning of the service, in verse 5 of, of that Psalm 146, it says, Happy is he who has the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. Right? I picked that because of that reason. We, we don't, yes, we praise God and we worship God and we sing to God, which are always a good, good psalms to open the service with, right? But, it, but it, it, the Scripture says that happy is he who has the God of Jacob for his help. You know, I'm going to uh, spend probably the majority of my time this morning in Psalm uh, chapter 33. And uh, I don't know exactly how I'm going to do this. I told, uh, told, told those guys I was praying with this morning. I don't have this sermon worked out completely yet. But the uh, Lord is faithful. Amen? And uh, so in Psalm chapter 33, I just want to read it and I'll elaborate on a few of the things. But beginning in verse 1 of Psalm 33, it says, Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous. For praise from the upright is beautiful. Praise the Lord with the heart. Make melody to Him with an instrument of ten strings. Sing to Him a new song. Play skillfully with the shout of joy. For the word of the Lord is right, and all His work is done in truth. He loves righteousness and justice. And by the way, as we talk about the, the blessing that comes from God, happiness that that is, that is ours from God, we're going to see God's love of righteousness as a recurring theme. We're going to see in several passages of Scripture that, that happy are the righteous. You know, this is not about being a, you know, something sour, saying, hey, you have to obey the law, you've got to do this, you've got to do this. This is about experiencing the blessed life by reflecting in our activities and our actions what God has done for us. And it's about, I mean, it's about that simple, right? So we're going to see that as a, as a recurring theme. The Lord, excuse me, He loves righteousness and justice and the, the earth is, the, is, the, is full of the goodness of our Lord. Blessings and happiness follow righteousness and obedience and faith. We're going to see that over and over in Scripture. And it's going to be contrasted to that of unrighteousness and disobedience and not trusting in God. You know, and as I, as I think about, as I think about looking, looking back over my life and seeing those people that just were perpetually happy. I mean, they just seemed to be happy most of the time. 
right? You know, those were qualities in their life that you see. You see, you see righteousness. You see a, an obedience or a lifestyle that is given. No, none of us are perfect. But that is given primarily to the things that please God. Right? Living the way that, that the Lord says. And just a trusting in, in, uh, in His plan and in His Word. Verse 6 of Psalm 33 says, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and all the host of them by the breath of His mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap. And he lays up in the deep, he lays up the deep in storehouses. Verse 8 says, Let all the earth fear the Lord, let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it was done, he commanded and it stood fast. And in, in that verse 8 where, where it says, let all, let all the earth fear the Lord and let the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. That again is going to be a recurring theme of what we see by those who are happy. The fear of the Lord, which is, is defined in that same verse as, as standing in awe of Him. There is, there is a respect and there is a, and there is a way in which God is viewed in honor and fear. That brings happiness to those who perceive him right. See, we live in a time when God is not perceived that way. And, uh, but blessings come to those who are. Verse 10 says, The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the peoples of no effect. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. And then we get to the verse that drew me to this passage to begin with in verse 12. And here's what it says. Blessed or happy is the nation whose God is the Lord. Blessed, it's that word, it's that word goe that means happy, right? Happy is the nation whose God is the Lord. We've been studying the names of God on Wednesday night. Who's Elohim, who's the, the God that they believe of, power and might, is the Lord, capitalized, Yahweh, Jehovah God, the one true God. God's covenant name. The people He has chosen as His own inheritance. And you know what? As we, as we, as we, I want to elaborate on just a few of those things. First, the, the, the people he has chosen in his own inheritance. I preach on it a lot, maybe too much. But, but if you are saved by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and you have trusted in the work of Christ on the cross to save you from your sins, the Bible says that you are an adopted child of God. That you are an heir, a co-heir. With Jesus Christ. Can I tell you something? That don't get to be any more children of God than that. Right? I mean, if you are an heir with Christ of the kingdom of God and all that that entails. I, don't, I can't even imagine what all that entails. But you know what? We are. We are those people. If, if that's you. If you've trusted in Christ. If you by faith have believed and if you have turned to Him, then you are this people. 
the people he has chosen as his own inheritance. In fact, it's interesting. Blessed is the nation or happy is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he has chosen for his own inheritance. That word nation. You know, when I, when I first read that, I thought, oh yeah, he's talking about the people of Israel. Right? That's who he's talking about. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people as is chosen from his own inheritance. But that word nation, every time that that Hebrew word is used in Scripture. It is not the nation of Israel. It is a Gentile nation, a foreign nation. It says, says that it, it represents a group of individuals who are considered a single unit with respect to origin or language and government, that it suggests a political entity with a land of its own. I submit to you, the USA is a nation. Blessed, happy is the nation whose God is the Lord. The people he has chosen as his own inheritance. Verse 13 says, As the Lord looks from heaven, he sees all the sons of men. From the place of his dwelling, he looks on all the inhabitants in the earth. He fashions their hearts individually and he considers all their works. No king, verse 16 says, No king is saved by the multitude of an army. A mighty man is not delivered by great strength. A horse is a vain hope for safety. Neither shall it deliver by its great strength. Can I just tell you, we need to be careful, America, of what we're trusting in. We are, we are not trusting. We can't trust in our armed forces. Although they are a great and mighty asset to our country, we do not trust in them. It is certainly not our politicians. Even though, even though we pray, we vote, we probably write letters or call and tell them how we feel and what we want them to do, and all of that stuff is right. For as a people in our nation, we are to engage the process. You know, as, as I've been reading these things about John Adams and Benjamin Franklin, they weren't just guys that ruled. They were the guys that, I mean, they knew that they had, they gave up their own person, they risked their own personal wealth. Can you imagine signing the Declaration of Independence that was going to get sent back to the King of England? They were his subjects. You know, we, 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 you know the, the phrase, you know, put your John Hancock right here. You guys know what that means, right? It means sign here. Well, you know why that put your John Hancock here is, became a, a euphemism just for a signature? It's because when John Hancock signed the Declaration of Independence, he signed it huge. When you look at the Declaration of Independence, John Hancock, I mean, it's like the first thing that you see. And when they said, John, why did you sign it so big? He said, because I want the king of England to see my rebellion without having to put his spectacles on. <laughs> Amen. They risked to participate in the founding of our country. And you know what? Generations later, in fact, John Adams has, had a quote that said, I guess he was speaking to a group of young people, he said, you, you will never understand the sacrifice that was made 
by my generation. But you will. Because it will have to be continued to survive. That's not an exact quote, so, but it's, it's what he meant. And you know what? We are no different. We cannot sit in our pews and just place blame on Washington or blame on politicians or blame on our culture or blame on anything, any of that because we, it, it, we, we are them. And, 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 and our God is the God that controls it all. There is hope for America because we have a hope in the Almighty God. The same God that 246 years ago led those framers to declare that independence and and then to write the Constitution of the United States after having experienced the Revolutionary War. It's still on us. We can't live lives of blame. We got to be vehicles or instruments of change as best we can. Now, I know it feels hopeless. Right? But it is not. It is not. And it is not because God is God. It's not our politicians. It's not even our Supreme Court. As great as they seem to us right now. Right? Having overturned Roe versus Wade. Having uh, overturned, uh, Robert was telling me, the lemon, lemon law. Uh, which defined what was freedom of worship, right? Establishment clause. That the, yeah, that the government shall not establish a religion or prohibit the free exercise thereof. Well, apparently this week, and I, and I don't know, apparently this week they clarified that to the glory of God, right? Something that works out best. It's as God would want. So, so we see in the actions of the Supreme Court some things that we say, amen, praise God for. But our hope is not in the Supreme Court. Our hope is in God. No king is saved by a multitude of an army. A mighty man is not delivered by great strength. The horse is a vain hope for safety. Neither shall it deliver by its great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear Him. On those who hope in His mercy to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our hope is only in the Lord. That, that thing of, of, behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who, who fear Him. That theme of fearing God or reverence or to hold in awe is a is a recurring theme as I studied this word happiness or blessing. Right? Psalm 112 verse 1 is one of the 44 places where it's used. And it says, Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth, or happy is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. Psalm 128 once, it's used again, Blessed is everyone that fears the Lord, that walketh in His ways. So we see in the keys to being happy, a right, a right view of God, in fear and awe and respect, and in each one of those verses, delighting in His commands and walking in His ways. Once again, righteousness. 
Blessing, happiness, follow righteousness. Verse 20, back in, uh, back in Psalm 33, the end, of, the end of Psalm 33, verse 20 says, Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart shall rejoice in Him because we have trusted in His holy name. Let your mercy be upon us, O Lord, just as we hope in you. I just want to share with you just a few other scriptures quickly of where that word happy or blessed is used in scripture. In Psalm 32, verse 1 and 2, it says this. It says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and whose spirit there is no deceit. Happy is the man who is forgiven. No guilt. No more guilt. No more guilt. No more condemnation before God. Eternally forgiven of our sin. That ought to make you happy. Now, that doesn't mean that we're perfect, right? Because, you know, if I was going to preach on another promise of God, and I may, it would be the promise of forgiveness. Because we are promised forgiveness. And not just the one, not just one time that a, that where we repent and we are granted access, born again into the kingdom of God, because that does not make us perfect. You guys know that. I mean, I don't have to preach to you that we know we think wrong we do wrong we act wrong right first john 1 9 right says we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from unrighteousness amen that'll make you happy That'll make you happy a right walk with god a righteousness before god not only is granted to us, but it can be maintained by us. If we have the right view of God and we're living in the right way as we seek to follow Him, He grants us forgiveness. What a blessing. Happy is He whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sin is covered. That, that one verse has three of the 44 times. Happy, happy, happy. That psalmist was happy about being forgiven. Amen? We should be too. Psalm 34, 8 says this. It says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Talked about that one last two weeks ago. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. Happy is the man that trusts in him. Psalm 84, 12 Another time that is you said, O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusts in you. Happy is the man that trusts in you. Trusting in God. Not trusting in, in a bunch of other stuff. You know, we trust in all kinds of stuff. You know, we, we trust in the pleasure things of life to, uh, to make us happy. And we get discouraged if we don't see those or feel those. We trust in wealth to keep us happy. We trust in family to keep us happy. We trust in, I mean, just all kinds of stuff 
right? But the Word of God says that real happiness comes from trusting in God. Because then, see, it doesn't really matter what else might happen to us. Because, frankly, a couple of these usages of this word happy are things that we'd just as soon not be there, honestly. Right? Because, I mean, the next one says this in, in, in Job chapter 5, verse 17. It says, Behold, happy is the man whom God corrects. Well, let's take that one out of there. Right? But that's what it says. Same word, blessed, happy. Therefore, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. For he bruises, but he binds up. He wounds, but his hands make whole. You see, even the chastening of the Lord, even his correction for us, should make us happy because everything that God does and brings into our life is to conform us to the image of his Son. And there is no more blessed place to be. Happy place to be. Now, happy, we're not always going to, it's always not going to be what we might think, right? I mean, our, our thoughts of what make us happy and, and what God knows we need to be happy are, are not always, you know, the same things. Psalm 94 says, Blessed is the man whom thou chasteneth, O Lord, and teaches him out of thy law. So even, even those things God, God uses. So the blessings, the happiness that we experience, Right? Come from God, come from trusting God. And they come through righteousness and obedience to the Word of God. They come through even receiving the chastening of the Word of God. But they are promises of happiness. Is it worth, is it worth serving God? Is it, is it worth Adhering to the Word of God, it's what makes you happy. See, in, in general, especially in America, we don't, we don't believe that. We look to all kinds of other things to make us happy. If this law is changed to allow this, then I'll be happy. Right? If this thing is created where I can participate in this and, and it be legal then I'll be happy. Exactly contrary to what the Word of God teaches us about what it takes to be happy. Happiness is living life God's way, on God's terms, for His children. All of these blessings, all of these blessings that are, that are promised to us, this happiness that is promised to us, are only for the child of God. The others are promised not. If you go to Psalm, and I don't think I have this one on the screen. Psalm chapter 1 is another place where this word blessing, this is the last one I'm going to use today. Psalm chapter 1 is another place that this word blessed or happy is used. And it says this, blessed Blessed, happy is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, 
nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. And all of that is simply to say, be careful what you allow to influence you. Right? I mean, that's, if I could say it as simply as I could, that's what it's about. Be careful of what you allow to influence you. It says, but his delight, happy, the happy man, his delight is in the law of the Lord, the Word of God. And on his law, on the Word of God, he meditates day and night. He fills his life with the Word of God, the truth of the Word of God, not the nonsense of the world. Not the counsel of the ungodly or the, the, the path of sinners or, or the seat of the scornful, but the truth of the Word of God is what he meditates on. And the promise is he shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water that bring forth fruit in its season, whose leaf does not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Happy is the man who bases his life on the Word of God and whatever he does, he prospers. I, we, I can't even imagine what all that would mean. But you know what it means? God causes growth. God causes strength. God causes good things. And then it simply says, the ungodly are not so. I want to be that guy. I want to live in the happiness of the Word of God. I want to live in the blessings of God. I want you guys to live in the blessings of God. And I want what we believe about God and what we share about God and the good news that comes through Christ, I want us to share that so that it grows and it grows and it grows. And you know what? Our country is changed. It's going to have to be God. As we participate in however we can. And it's not just by bad mouthing what's going on. Right? We are told to pray for those that lead you. Right? Not, not criticize those that lead you. Because God is the one that's going to make the difference. Now you guys know I'm not real political you know, from the pulpit. But I'm telling you, this stuff is just the truth. So we go, as citizens of the church, as citizens of the kingdom of God, and as citizens of this great nation of America, so America goes. And God can do more than we can think or imagine. Amen? Amen. Now then, we're finished with the proclaiming God part of John Adams' thing. Now I guess I'll let you go to have fun. <laughs> to illuminate the sky from, from one coast to the other. But first we're going to have an invitation. Wayne, come and lead us. Maybe, maybe today the Holy Spirit has just prompted something in your heart about living in the blessings of God. The promise, the promise of happiness and blessing that comes to the child of God. It ought to make you smile and not frown. It ought to make us want to confess and, and, and stay cleansed before our holy God that gave himself for us. 
If the Lord prompts you to make a decision, you come this morning as we sing a verse of, uh, of invitation. Before you go, if you have a prayer request, we invite you to send us an email at prayforyou@att.net. That's P-R-A-Y, the number four, Y-O-U at att.net. Or call the church office at 405-381-2492. If you'd like to learn more about our children's, youth, men's, women's, or senior adult ministries, visit our website at fbctuttle.net. Thanks again for joining us today. We love you and we hope you have a blessed week.